I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21, but I'm actually going to read it backwards because I want us to see something from verse 21 that will then in turn give us perspective from what we're told in verse 20. But notice what Paul says here. It says, he made him. So just park there for a minute. The he is the father. The father made him the son. Now, this isn't made in the creative sense because we are not talking about creation. We are talking about him becoming something, Jesus becoming something on our behalf, which is why this is called, I call it the great exchange. So Jesus was made for a brief moment in time. What does it say there? What was he made to be? Sin. So think about this in terms of us first. When we, anyone, is born into this world, we are born, the Bible says, dead in sin. So unfortunately, what comes with that is we are then raised by sin's condition. Simple definition of sin from the Greek word hamartia. We can put that on the video later for all the Greek scholars now. <laughs> Hamartia, the Greek word for sin, simply defined means to miss the mark. Well, if we go all the way back to the garden, the mark that God intended is now missed massively. The garden did not include any form of sin, any form of death, any form of curse. There was none of that in God's original creation. So God did not make sin, death, curse, and all that comes with that. That came, I won't turn there, but in Romans we're told, Romans 5, that through one man, his name's Adam, sin came, death came because of that sin, and death spread to all men. So now, the bad news is, we're born under this condition of sin. Everyone is. And, and unfortunately with that, we are then trained by sin's condition. My dad left when I was 12, and I went into fits of rage, not knowing what was causing the rage. Makes sense now, but it didn't when you're in trauma with your father abandoning you. Well, just pause for a minute. That's missing the mark of what God intended. Did God create the home to be broken? No, that is not God's creation. That is what sin has accomplished and created. And so when my dad left, and the rage that I went into... It, I'm now being trained by sin's condition. I'm being trained by this abandonment and the hurts that have come into my life. And I didn't know this. You don't have to know it to be trained by it. You're being trained all the time. And so I was trained by this. Well, my mom, a week and a half later, crying herself to sleep every night, she says to me one day, and as I'm in a fit of rage, she says, why are you doing this? And like a dream, I woke up and I said, I don't know. And in trauma, you don't know why certain things are as they are, because you're overwhelmed by it. But when I said, I don't know, it ended abruptly, and I went through my entire high school years, never once with any form of unhealthy expression of anger. So you could say, well, all that anger was gone. Well, I meet my wife. And things that were broken in her, things that were broken in me, as happens in marriage, collided. And the further we went down our road in our relationship, in marriage, the worse it got. 
my anger that was not there in our beginning days and had not been there since I was 12, suddenly now here I am about 10 years later and all this anger seemingly is coming out of nowhere. Well, it was all there, but it was all buried and hidden. You wouldn't know it was there. So now my anger's growing, and, and April's getting more anger from me. The more she gets anger, the more she pulls away. The more she pulls away, the more angry I get, and you get the cycle until one day, sad to say this, but I'm pastoring a church here in Toronto, and one day in the midst of that season of life, my anger was so out of control, in our home, I flipped the kitchen table. Now, that's not good to be on the pulpit on Sunday preaching the Word of God and flipping the table during the week. Flipping pancakes is okay. <laughs> flipping tables is not. And it was out-of-control rage that caused that. Well, where did that come from? I was trained by sin's condition. I didn't know anything about what Jesus... Like, I was... Man, I'm, I'm a rev at this point. Who cares? I was a Bible college grad. Who cares? When you can't even have a healthy marriage, who cares what title you give me? Like, it meant nothing. All that accolade I thought I was getting by getting this certificate that I passed and got my degree, and finally I qualify to be a rev. Well, if they only knew, <laughs> maybe I didn't so qualify. But, but why was I in this place? It was because sin had trained me the hurts through sin's condition, my dad played a part in. But as I learned my dad's story, then I found out about what his father did to him. And suddenly, I get it. I get why my dad was the way he was. And then if I go above my grandfather, you might as well stop because you know the story. Well, we become the product of sin's training. We're born under sin. And then sin trains us to be something that was never according to the original garden that God planned. So here comes Jesus and the Father knowing there's nothing they can do to get out of this problem. In fact, they don't even know they got this problem. They don't know, here's my mark of what I plan, and they're living way down here, and they don't even know how good it could have been or should have been or would be if God invades the situation. So he steps in with a desire first to help us see, here's what I got in your way down here living something I never planned. Now, we've interpreted that to be God's anger at us. No, it is actually God's love for us that is saying, Steve, flipping tables is not the marriage I planned. That wasn't him mad at me trying to get me to see this. It was his love for me that wanted my marriage to be saved and my kids that were about to come be protected from an angry father. Now, unfortunately, they weren't protected initially because that anger was still there. But I'm going to tell you the other side of that story without going any further on it. Now, thanks to God's work, I haven't flipped a table in a long, long time. That's good news. <laughs> also, I have a wonderful relationship with both of my kids that knew me originally as an angry dad to stay away from. But through the work that God did, I'm now my son's business coach. I married my son in our living room with his now bride. I laid my hands upon our granddaughter one year ago and released the blessing of the father upon the child that I shouldn't really even have relationship with if what sin had trained me to be continued its course. 
I shouldn't have any of that. But the rescue of God came in there and said, but if you give me a chance, I don't care what sin has trained you to be, if you'll give me a chance, I'm going to train you into the way the garden was meant to be. Well, why would you not want that? The sad part of that is it means we're going to have to see some things like my anger because I had to participate with God to heal me. And if I say, no, you know, my pride's up like a wall. No, I'm okay. I will miss the garden that God intends and desires to restore. But you need to know, and I'm going to go right back to the text here, you need to know that when God steps into our world where sin has trained us, and I'm going to prove this to you in a sec, you need to know God does not step into our condition out of any form of anger towards us. He steps into our condition totally motivated by love for us. And you can say, well, Steve, how do you know that? I'm scared to let God show me the stuff that I don't want to see because, you know, it's just going to show how bad I am. No. Look at back at this verse, verse 21. He, the Father, made him, the Son, who knew no sin. So Jesus never had an ounce of brokenness in his life to deal with. So he knew personally, in personal living, nothing of our condition. So he knew no sin, but what does it say happened? The Father made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin. Why? What's it say? On our behalf, for us. He didn't do this for any need within himself. Jesus did this because he knew, just take my story, Steve, that there's no way that in that condition that sin has trained him and raised him up to be, there's no way that he can ever fix any of that stuff. He can't do it, so here's heaven speaking on my behalf. We're going to have to do it for him. I can never earn my way out of my anger. I can never earn my way out of whatever sin has produced. I can't do it. And you know, for a many Many years I worked and worked and tried so hard to work to be the man that I knew God wanted me to be. The harder I worked at it, the worse I got until I land in this city on a park bench depressed. Marriage is at its end. Everything I'm touching is failing. And I'm giving up saying it's over. And at that point God's saying, finally, I got a chance. Because what shifted at that moment, I didn't know this was happening initially, but what shifted at that moment is I came to such an utter place of death within myself of what I could do to work out of this mess that for the first time in my life, I had nothing to offer God. Which meant for the first time in my life, apart from the day I got saved, it's going to all have to come from Him to me. That day, me working for God died. But that day, learning how God would work in me became alive. And an adventure of healing and restoration and advancement of those purposes has been ongoing ever since. Let me give you a crazy story. Somewhere at our teaching yesterday I was doing, but... I'm, I'm a, I've been a volunteer. In, in Toronto, I was, my dream was to be a firefighter as a little boy. 
and gave all that up to serve and follow the call of God. God moves us to Truro, had no clue there's this thing called a volunteer. And so here I go to Truro, and God gives me my dream while I'm, you know, doing what we're doing now, but I get to be a firefighter. I'm actually, you know, we have a 100-foot aerial platform, million-dollar truck, the baddest, best, one of the best in the province, in my fire station, boys with their toys. So we got a really good fleet of trucks and the best equipment. So for 18 and a half years, I've had on the side the privilege of walking a dream that I had as a child. Who'd ever think that God would send you to a place and in the midst of that journey give you a dream that you had? And so while I'm doing what I'm doing here, I'm also at home, I'm a boy with a toy. I live one minute from the fire hall and if I'm available, I'm the first one there when the pager goes on. I was in a fire a couple years ago. I'm just illustrating from park bench to present reality. I'm in a fire. We show up. We're there to serve another fire hall. Kind of weird. Never had this happen before. We roll up to the house. There's three fire trucks on scene. Hose lines are drawn. 10 o'clock, beautiful summer night. Smoke is pouring out the front of the house. I get out of the truck. One firefighter says to me, he says, you better hurry up. We got no firefighters. Huh? You see all these fire trucks, roads closed, community, and lots of people. And so I go, just ignoring him. I thought, that guy's nuts. So we come onto the front lawn of this house, and the chief says to our chief, we got no firefighters. And I'm like, now in shock. And he turns to our, our chief, turns to me, and another guy says, you and you, Steve and Rob, you're going in. With no prep... We are now doing, about to do an internal attack on a fire I have not had any mental preparation for. We don't have certain equipment that would make it much safer. It's on our lead truck, which we didn't bring because we're here to assist. A fire hall, we're not leading this attack. And so all of a sudden, within a moment's notice, I'm thrown into a very dangerous situation. When you break into a fire, you see nothing because it's utter black. So we press in. I call it pressing into the darkness. We press in. And as I'm pressing in, all I know is the fire is in the house to the right. I'm, I'm feeling the wall. Now I know it. I'm walking through a little front corridor. And then there's a door. And then it's a, a dining room. I didn't know it at the time. And then on the other side of the dining room is a kitchen. I'm pressing through the darkness. I feel the door. I turn to my right. I see the orange glow. So we move towards the seat of the fire. I get, I don't know this, but I get almost to the other side of the dining room. As I'm still moving towards the fire, because we got to knock it down, can't see anything but a little orange glow in front of me, all of a sudden, in my spirit, I heard, stop. And I stopped. And I swung my leg, and it fell into a hole. The floor was gone, and I was less than a foot from my death. Seat of the fire was below the kitchen, burnt up into the kitchen. The floor was gone. I didn't know any of this. I can't see any of this. And I'm less than a foot away from falling headfirst into a hole, into the seat of the fire. No way I would have escaped, and my partner wouldn't even have known what happened initially. But Holy Spirit, who knows all things, knew danger. It's amazing how he'll talk to us at the moment of need, often not before. But he will talk if we learn to listen. And so in the midst of this darkness, and even near death, 
God is loud because the guy that was on the park bench who said it's over, which it was, praise the Lord, it turned around, but it wasn't over from God's perspective because now it's, okay, finally, we're going to train this boy. Heaven's going to train this guy. I'm going to train him out of sin's condition. I'm going to train him to be what I intended in the garden. And so now, just to use that crazy fire story, right when I'm on the edge of death, God is speaking. Well, that's not the depressed boy on a park bench hearing from God, but I'm the same guy. This is what was already available to me, though, on that park bench, but I didn't know it. Nobody had taught me. Nobody had trained me. Bible college didn't give it to me even. My ordination, my rev certainly didn't give it to me. So he made him who knew no sin to be sin, to be what we were born as. But then look at the next part. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the great exchange. He took what I was born as, sin. It just sadly took me until I'm in my young 20s or mid-20s to realize the revelation of this in a greater fullness. But he took what I was, sin, so I could become what he is, right or righteous. And a great exchange. Now, what could I do to earn this righteousness? Nothing. But I didn't know this. And I am one fired up, zealous man trying, trying, trying for God. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Thinking somehow I'm going to perform and earn. The harder I tried to earn, the worse I got. Because we can't earn anything from God. He's done it all. Do you know what faith does? Faith doesn't move God. Faith receives what God has provided. And many are trying to use what we call faith to somehow move him. And actually, it's forming a wall because what you're believing underneath that is somehow I have to muster something up to move God. That will stop faith from ever seeing its intended results. We don't move God. He has moved. We recognize what he has done and then we learn to receive. I didn't move God. He showed me what he had done and that anger is no longer there because I found out what he did and then learned how to receive the deliverance and breakthrough that he worked in my life. I can't earn nothing from God, but faith will receive. And I just had this sense in my spirit that I don't know anything about you and there's not an ounce of I'm upset with you on this. It's just the love of God just wanting to help at a point of need. So I just sensed in my spirit today and I prayed this this morning. So I don't know anything about you. So I'm just giving you something I sensed in my spirit. I sensed the Lord was saying there's a lot of striving going on and it's stopping people's faith. And I want to remove the striving so that faith can start receiving. I just, it's just this is just sitting on the, on the seat there. So nobody's talked to me. I don't know anything about you, and I have nothing to, to gain or lose. I'm just giving you something I sense the Lord wants you to see. You don't need to work or do anything to deserve anything from God. 
In fact, you can't qualify. But, but if that was the end of the story, we're doomed. But it's not the end of the story. Because of that, Jesus became sin. The Father knew. They can't do anything. How about we do it all? What a radical concept. But that's love that we don't even conceptually get, but it's still love where God's initiating everything that's been broken in us, and, and He knows you're stuck in the corner and you can't get out. So guess what? Instead of shoving the mud in your face for what you've done wrong or how screwed up you are, no, here's what I'm going to do. Everything. And then offer that you come out of that corner and begin to let me train you and rise you. And so I don't care what you've done in your past, good, bad. I the good doesn't earn you anything before God. The bad doesn't chase you away from God because the good doesn't qualify you and the bad can't disqualify you because our qualification has nothing to do with us. It is totally on Jesus and what he did. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to turn there, but in Galatians 3... It says, for Christ became the curse. Having become the curse, we've been redeemed from the curse. Galatians 3.13. So I'm not going to turn there, but let me just make reference to something here. The root of our problem is sin's condition. Now, I'm going to say probably most of us have been born again, which means we've been rescued in our spirit from sin's condition. And our heaven, heaven eternal, eternity is settled for us. But what we're left with is the sin condition that trained us. Like my dad's departure, it trained me, and all that hurt was now coming out in a marriage that's supposed to be intimate. Instead, it's clashing, and I'm, we're, we're driving apart and heading for, for divorce. Instead, God says, Steve... I've done everything so you can walk with me. Your spirit man is completely recreated. Now, let me retrain what sin has done. But you say, oh, but I've got to get myself fixed first and clean up all that mess so that God can start doing that. No, Christ redeemed me from the curse, having become a curse. The curse is what I deserve for my sin condition, and it's the outcome of my sin condition. So Jesus became the condition... And he became the fruit of my condition. So I didn't have to fix my anger towards my wife to turn to God and say, help, quite opposite. Stop fixing anything. Find out he became sin. He became the curse. He paid for the root of your problem. He paid for the fruit of your problem, everything you've ever done wrong. And now I get to come to God not because I fixed anything. I get to come to God because He paid for everything. And now I come and say, God, even this screwed up marriage I've created, you've paid for it so I can walk with you. Now, help. We've got to retrain this thing because it's going the wrong way. And good news, He will retrain whatever sin's condition is produced if we'll give Him access. But many can't start receiving from God because they're too busy thinking, oh, if I could just fix this, I could really get close to God. You can't fix a thing to access God. He fixed or paid for everything so now we can access him and then start receiving from God faith receives 
Many of us, and for years April and I, tried, oh, when do I get enough things fixed in my life that I can finally be entitled to start receiving? And all the while, I didn't realize I was in the way. The answer is never. Now, I can't fix anything. So Jesus had to do it all. Okay, God, boy, you got a lot of work to do. Do you see where the emphasis is? Now teach me, God, how faith begins to receive. I'll partner with it. I'll respond when you show me, but teach me how faith receives. i got to get out of the way. For many of us, our thinking we've got to do something for him is in the way, stopping faith from receiving. Stop trying to fix you. Receive the one who wants to fix you. Do you see the shift? Faith has always been there. How do I know? Because by faith through grace we've been saved not as a result of works that no man shall boast. So if you tell me you got no faith, I tell you then you're not saved. Well, I didn't mean to say it that way. You're saved if by faith you receive what Jesus did. You have faith. Colossians 2.6 says, as you received. How'd you receive? So walk in him. I don't work my way into God. I receive from God. He did it all. And so now it's, Lord, unleash the faith that's already there. How? By getting me out of the way. Here I am, Dad, just as I am. We know that song. <laughs> but just as I am, now teach me how to receive. How much do you think God is capable of producing in your life if he was the one doing all the work? How high is the ceiling? Is there any limit? None. None. I'll end with this story. My wife comes from an abused background. Sexual, a little bit of anger, unhealthy anger. Some of the anger in that came from her father. Years later, after God had been working this healing in our life, and our marriage, she knew it was time. And we go to her parents' place, and she comes before her dad. Now is the one that's being healed by God. No longer needing from her dad for him to fix what he did. Now she's coming as the former wounded one to him with the answer. That's pretty radical. But that's only accomplished when God does that work. So she, we were up there for a visit, and she says to him, Dad, I just want to let you know, you know, she talked briefly about the things that were done and some hurtful things in past. And she says, Dad, and she got on her knees and took his hands. He's not saved. Dad, I want you to know that I love you. I forgive you. I release you from everything. And at this point, of course, he's bawling. I mean, he knows everything he's done wrong. And if April thought her healing was by getting something back from her dad, she'll never get it. She got her healing from her heavenly dad, the one that coached her in to this new, new walk. And so now she's actually offering love to one of the ones that hurt her. 
Oh, God, you're so good. And so all the sobbing, and she restores the relationship. Dad, God loves you too. I love you. And it was just a testimony of what God had done, and now she's giving it back to one that had hurt her. A number of years later, they come to visit us in Nova Scotia, and he, he had been not a believer in God at all. Well, he's been, you know, he's moving along the road a little bit. Now she said, I believe it's time. My dad's ready. I didn't have that, but she did. So I said, go for it. Sitting in the living room at our home in Nova Scotia. Her parents are visiting. And she says, Dad, I just want to ask you a question. I said, where's your heart with the Lord? And do you believe? And he says, yes, I do. And so right then and there in our living room, she opens Romans 10. And, you know, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you know, you should be saved. And so she led him into the kingdom of God. And he had skin cancer on his back. We laid our hands on him, prayed for him, and he got healed. Now you say, hold on a minute. She shouldn't be loving that guy. He's the one that hurt her, or one of the ones that hurt her. But God did such a radical healing in April that now I'm just going back into sin and cursed condition and I'm bringing the kingdom to sin. Who cares that it's this sin that hurt me? I'm no longer hurt by it because I've been healed from my father who's trained me. Now I'm going to bring the kingdom back to it and glory to God in one day we get a double miracle. But as I've said with my story, I'll say it with April, she never would have received anything that I'm talking to you about if she put her hand up and said, I'm fine. No, sin had trained her wrongly through all the violation. And God, untrained or retrained to bring the garden back in sight. The garden is the mark of God's intent. And if you're still breathing, he wants to keep working. The garden, his intent restored into your life. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Father, that you knew and saw we could do nothing, so you sent your Son to do it all. And all you're asking for, Father, is that we would by faith receive what you have done for us and grow up into what you have done for us. I pray, Father, right now that there would be a cutting off where striving has been stopping people and blocking faith. And I just say, Lord, bring an end to striving and a new beginnings of receiving so that the works of the kingdom can be demonstrated in a greater fullness. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. For you are a good, good God. Amen.